earlier in, um, in uh, September, I said, Lord, you know, what is it you're saying to the church? And then uh, God started speaking to me. Now, last year it was like in October. This year it was in September. So I'm really excited about that. But a lot of this is to encourage you about what is to come. And in the midst of all of that, I want to remind you about a passage out of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20. It's one that we always talk about when we talk about prophetic things. If we believe in the Lord our God, we shall be established. It means our foundation will be sure, okay? You know, there, that we're established, we're put in place. But being established and prospering are two different things. You can be in a position, but that doesn't mean that you're prospering in that position. And so to prosper, the Bible says that believe in the Lord your God, you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Now, I recognize that my ministry gift that God has given me is pastoral. It's not prophetic. I'm not a prophet. But God uses me in this house because I'm the chief oracle or the chief speaker here. So he'll use me that way to guide and lead the flock. And so, and that's okay. Um, there will be prophets that we'll have throughout the year. Dr. Barkley's a prophet. Uh, as many of you know, uh, coming up, some of the things we're going to talk about today uh, and next week, um, when I, well, he and I will do his I Predict program for January, for January of 2023. I'm going to be talking about a lot of this stuff because I really feel in my spirit that God has given us clear direction about what's to come. Now you say, well, pastor, is it all going to be easy? That's all I want to know. Or is it going to get easier? Well, let me just tell you this. God will be with you no matter what's going on. And that's his promise of his word. And that for the believer, for people that have Christ in their lives, this is an incredible opportunity for us to flourish in an environment of famine and difficulty. I think that the world is, is in turmoil right now. I think you agree with that, that there is turmoil that's everywhere. Um, and the United States is no different. We're, we're tending to uh, push it all towards the political environment. But I talked about this last week, we, and I'll get into this a little bit more uh, in October. But uh, look, we've created political idolatry in our country. And uh, it is a horrible thing because God will have no idols before him. He just will not. And so when we start pushing, we start thinking that politics is going to solve all our problems. Uh, I got news for you. As long as humans are involved, problems will not be solved. There'll just be more problems. Look at your neighbor and see he's talking to you right now. Oh, the humanity is, I, you know, look, you know, uh, uh, Jeannie was talking about David. You know, David was an awesome king. And we tend to remember a lot of the great stuff David did. But, you know, David did a lot of dumb stuff, too. He was a good politician. He did a lot of really dumb things that hurt a lot of people. And caused death for a lot of people. Yeah. Dumb stuff that he, I mean, I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, look, that's just the, that's what, we, what, what we, we learn from Scripture. Even the greatest of kings, kings like Hezekiah and some of the others, they made really boneheaded decisions that hurt people. So we need to look to God. We need to look to God for our guidance and God for our peace. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about here today. But what God is saying to us is that we need to get ready. 
You know, when you go, how many of you went to homecoming? I, I, I know a lot of people, raise your hand up if you went to home. I didn't go to homecoming, but if you went to homecoming, all right. Or prom, anybody go to prom? You know, uh, got married? Anybody got married? Okay. So, but you know, when those events are happening in our life, we don't like just get ready at the last moment, Right. Like, if you're going to homecoming, you already have, if you're a guy, you've already picked out your clothes, what you're going to wear. You know, you, you don't just show up with your teeth not brushed and your hair not combed, and you just pick out whatever, a T-shirt that says Metallica on it and wear it to, prom, to homecoming, right? You're going you're gonna, to, because you're, there is a preparation that goes to your expectation. You're excited, so you prepare. When you're getting married, you know, you don't just like, just, well, I guess we'll get married today. Unless you're in Vegas or something like that, you're, you know, then you, you're going to like want to be getting things ready, right? You're going to want to let people know about it. You're going to, you're going to have clothes that you're going to wear for that. You're going to be that morning thinking about, <clears throat> I'm excited about this, so I'm, I'm preparing for it. See, your, your level, your level of, of expectation is really influences your preparation for what you do, Okay. Your preparation for what you do. Your preparation is motivated by your expectation. You know, I, I've shared this many times. I think a lot of people, they, a lot of Christian believers, they just don't expect much. They don't expect much of God. They don't expect much in church. They don't expect much in their prayer life. They don't expect much to get much out of the Bible. Um, you know, in their reading, they just don't. And what that, what that does to us is that it causes us not to prepare to receive it because we don't expect it. I learned a long time ago that if, if you don't expect much, you won't be disappointed. Because you pretty much get exactly what you expect out of things. You know, the old stories told about the guy that, he, the guy was pulling, moving to a new town, had his U-Haul behind his vehicle and pulls in the gas station and he says, hey, I'm new to the area. What's the city like up ahead? He says, I'm moving there. And uh, the guy says, well, what was the city like where you came from? He said it was terrible. He says there was crime and there was unjust injustice and, and people backbit and it was horrible. People were terrible. They said nasty stuff and, and, and it was just, and you couldn't thrive in the economy there. It was just horrible. That's why I'm moving. And the, and the guy said, well, I've got bad news for you. It's just like that where you're going. Well, a little later, another vehicle pulls up, and he has a U-Haul behind his vehicle. He says, hey, listen, I wanted to ask you, what's it like up there in the city? He says, well, what was it like where you came from? He said, man, that was so awesome living there. He says, I prospered in the economy. He says, it was just absolutely amazing. I mean, I, my wealth increased. I had relationships with people. We hung out together. I loved it. I loved living in the city. It was absolutely wonderful, the things that were happening there. And you know what the gas station attendant said? Well, where are your heading is exactly like that. Because see, you get what you expect. Where's your expectation at? As we're moving forward into this new year, there is an expectation, but there is a preparation that has to happen before that expectation. Your preparation is manifested in your expectation, in your expectation. When you're excited about something and you expect something to happen, you get yourself ready, right? You prepare yourself for it. You don't wait till the last minute. Your expectation drives your preparation. I heard the Lord say, get ready. He says, I'm calling you to get ready. 
I'm calling you to get ready. It is in the atmosphere of expectancy that the, it becomes the breeding ground for miracles. Miracles that happen, happen because people have an expectation for those miracles to happen. Chuck was saying it earlier, you know, things that you're believing for, that if, you're, if that expectancy is meeting that, then you, you expect that any day. You expect the next phone call. You expect by the end of the day today that that could happen. You, and, and, you know, look, I get it. It might look impossible. Is it any more impossible than a horrible famine that hit uh, in, is, in, in Israel and that they're all starving and they're selling dove poop and, and donkey heads for people to eat and it's costing exorbitant amounts of money and everybody knows that famine is, it's terrible, it's a horrible environment. And they have the prophet speak and the prophet says, by this time tomorrow everything will be different. Everything, I mean, if I said to you, by this time tomorrow, all your kids will be saved, living for God and on fire, filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, this one guy that was there, he goes, look, I don't care what you say. If God opened the windows of heaven, there would not be enough food to feed the people. It's not going to happen. And the prophet looked over at him and said, well, you know what? According to your words, let it be to you. It won't happen for you. He says, in fact, by this time tomorrow, when it does happen, that'll be the end of it for you. Well, the next day comes four lepers. Can you imagine God using four guys with leprosy that are outcasts of society? They're out hanging around by the Samaritan camp. And while they're there, they're, they're hanging around the camp. They, 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 they start saying to themselves, you know, man, I don't know. We're dying out here. We might as well go into town. At least if they're going to kill us, they'll kill us quickly. It'll be over with and we're not hungry anymore. And maybe they'll have pity on us and give us some food. Well, they start going in and God supernaturally makes the footsteps of four lepers sound like an entire army is coming into the camp of the enemy. They walk into that camp and by the time they get in the camp, every last one of those adversaries has ran away. And guess what they left behind? Food. Now look, it would be easy, it would be easy to look at that situation as bad as it was the day the prophet spoke and go, oh man, that's just crazy that that could all happen. Because we can't grow enough crops to take care of these people. We can't kill enough cows. We don't have enough cows to feed all these people. None of that's going to happen. It would be easy to do that. But the king chose to believe the prophet. And by that time, the next day, the people heard that the four lepers, they were eating and they were having a great time. And uh, they said, you know, we kind of feel bad because all the people in town are starving. Why don't we let them know about this? So they let them know. Word travels pretty fast when people are hungry. And uh, man, people started stampeding out. Well, there's that little scribe, you know, who's running his mouth in the temple going, it could never happen. He goes to see what's happening. And so many people have run through, they trampled him into the ground. He never did get to eat another meal. He never did get to eat another meal. So what God is saying prophetically to us is that we need to get ourselves in a place of preparation, a time of being ready. Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 is the verse that the Lord gave me for this coming year. 
And uh, he really started speaking to me about three weeks ago about this, but he said, really watch the pattern that Joshua had to follow because that's how I'm leading my people right now. He said, Joshua said to the people in verse 5, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, those of you like me that were a part of the holiness movement, anytime you hear the word sanctify, it right away can bring up a red light of things you can't do. Stop doing, stop doing, stop doing, stop doing. But sanctification is way more than what you stop doing, but it's what you get to start doing. It's about what now can happen in your life, what you can now be able to accomplish with God's help. When God says to sanctify, he's only telling us to do it to help ourselves, not to be able to. It it doesn't help God that you sanctify yourself. God doesn't go, oh my goodness, thank you me that I finally got you to straighten up. That's made me a better God. No, God does that for our benefit. He does it so that we can enter into the fullness of who he is and what he wants to do. Joshua 3.5 in the Amplified Version says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, that is, separate yourselves for a special holy purpose, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua 3.5 in the Contemporary English Version, and that's the one that really spoke to my heart, was Joshua told the people, Make yourselves acceptable to worship the Lord because he is going to do some amazing things for us. You know, in looking at all of that, all I see is is that our part is to get ready. The miracle is God's. And you know, this is really important. You just are supposed to deal with you and let God deal with your situation. Whatever that is, okay? Because the miracle is in his hands, not your hands. I mean, he'll use you with your hands, but the miracle comes from the Lord. The, the things, the amazing things that need to happen, all he's telling us is, look, get yourself acceptable in worship to the Lord. Get yourself in a place of worship to the Lord. In Matthew 22, and I'm not going to look at this this week, but we can look at it maybe in, in the couple weeks ahead. Matthew 22, Jesus talks about this great banquet, right? I mean, this banquet is so big. He talks about it being like the kingdom of heaven. And he says the, the, the king invites everybody, to, all his people to come. And they all with one accord begin to make excuses. Well, I got this going on. Well, I got this. And I bought a new mule. I got to go test it out. And I got this over here. I just got married. And I got this happening. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. And so the Lord said, look, people aren't coming. The steward came and said, well, we invited them all, but they're not all coming. He said, well, he said, then go into the highways because we're not going to waste this event. Let's go into the highways and byways and invite people to come. Anybody that wants to come. So they did. They went out and invited. And all these people show up at this this great banquet. But if you read in Matthew 22, there's one guy that's at the banquet. And Jesus isolates him out. And there's a reason for that. This one guy that's at the banquet. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 22 that this guy came to the banquet, but he didn't come prepared. He didn't get himself ready for the banquet. He just showed up. You know, a lot of times we think that that's all we got to do is just show up. But the truth is, is that there's more to it than just showing up. You know, I work out all the time. There are some times I just show up and then there are other times I'm working out. You know, sometimes you just, when you're just showing up, you're just going through the motions of what you're doing. 
You're, 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 you're doing okay, but you're not doing great. You're not getting better. You're just staying the same. This guy shows up at this banquet, and he didn't, he's not dressed for it. He's not prepared for it. And I, I know it seems really harsh in our world of God's grace and goodness, but the Lord says, throw that guy out of the party. Throw him out. Because he was invited, and he did not prepare. He did not prepare. Well, man, I don't want to be one of those tossed from the party. I want to be ready. And if God's calling us to amazing, wonderful things and telling us that all we got to do is get ourselves ready to worship, then I am going to get myself ready to worship. I'm going to get myself in a place of preparation. This is a time and a season for God's people to move out of going through the motions and to go in sincerity and in purpose for what we're doing in the presence of God. It's time for us to increase our expectation of who God is, what God has, and what God will do. God spoke to me and said, this will be a year of restoration of the awe of God. A-W-E, awe of God. You know, in a lot of ways, we've lost the awe of God. We've lost the awe of God. That God's awesome work that he's doing. You know, I was in a meeting several years ago, back in the early charismatic days, and we were, it was a full gospel businessman, and people were up front being prayed for. And man, I mean, there was this guy, this guy was just amazing. This guy had such incredible testimonies of work they had done on the mission field of, that he looked down at a guy that had, he had an empty eye socket on one side and, uh, you know, the dark hole that's there was looking through one eye and the Spirit of the Lord began to move among the crowd and he looked back down at the guy and there was an eyeball back where that hole had been. And so he's telling all these great testimonies. He says, and look, if you need a miracle, the same God that did these miracles overseas is here tonight. And people came up and they were being prayed for. Well, Sharon and I, we were in the back with some other people. And, you know, we're just chit-chatting and laughing. Probably Sharon was, and I probably was the one running my mouth. And, and man, I mean, I was just, I was, we were having a good time and laughing. And these guys are up front being prayed for. Well, the minister stopped. And he, while he, when he stopped, he, he said, listen, I, everybody, stop talking. He says, I want to tell you right now, there are people up here believing God for a miracle. They're believing God for a miracle. And you're standing out there and instead of praying for them, you're goofing off and laughing and telling stories and you're, you know how much you enjoyed the meal and you're belching and everything else you're doing. And you're not, you're not at all involved. He says, the best thing you could do is leave because you're not helping their faith, you're hindering their faith. Well, man, I was under conviction. I mean, I'm telling you, I looked over, I think Sharon was there with me in the group we were with, and I said, I repent. I repent. He said, well, pastor, that's horrible. But you know, last Sunday, I saw the exact same thing happen here. The exact same thing happened in our service. We had a move of the Holy Spirit. People were coming to the altars for prayer, and we all stand around in the back and laugh and talk and whatever. And you know, there are people up here, and I'm not trying, I, look, I'm not... I'm your pastor. I love you. If you haven't figured that out yet, I've been here 30, almost 30 years. You know, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help us. But when we do that, we disrespect the presence of God that's here. Let our kids all run through the sanctuary and do crazy stuff while people are being prayed for. Get it under control and get yourself under control. And if you can't, I totally respect that you. Are you all right, honey? Okay, I totally would respect if you had to leave. It's okay. 
But I got people that are coming up here, their lives are busted, man. You say, well, my life's not busted. Well, good for you. Go. But let these people, man, if you want to do anything, sit in your chair and pray in tongues for them that God would supernaturally manifest over them and they would at least have the opportunity to experience what you've experienced. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for loving us, for telling us the truth. All right. Yeah, I know how hard it is. I have three kids and I got eight grandchildren. And man, I'm telling you, they were all a handful. But you, gotta, you, you have to realize there's something greater going on than your own thing. Amen. <laughs> this is a restoration of the awe of God. The presence of the Lord. To, not that we're spooky. That's not what I'm talking about. We all get weirded out, okay? Let's be real, man. We, but we're in the presence. We, re, we respect that God's presence is when we gather together corporately, there is a presence that is here. There's a presence that is here. And that we're respecting that. We're respecting that environment and that we're not belittling it, you know. I mean, I thought about yesterday, I was, while well, we had this, we had an incredible prayer group here yesterday. I mean, we had, I think, close to 25 people that came, and we, I mean, it was glory. It was Gloria. It was the best prayer meeting I was ever in in my whole life. And uh, I thought about during prayer, I said, you know, we ought to, like, put a basket in the front for people for their cell phones during service. That only if it bothers you, having it. Now, if it doesn't bother you and you can put it in your purse or pocket and it doesn't bother you, then that's great. But, you know, if it's something that you're tempted to see, well, I wonder what's going on on Fox News right now. I wonder what Biden said today. I wonder what's going on over here. I wonder what's going on over there. I wonder what, who's playing football today. I wonder who the Lions are playing today. By the way, I already know that. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, if it's a temptation to us, now I get that some of you work in environments where you you have to have that. But if it, it's something that's hindering you, release it. Leave it in the car. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I got to stop. But see, I, I, those are distractions to you. And they're distractions to your faith. And they can become distractions. Because I can tell you, I, I do it all the time. Get your phone out in front of someone else. Guess what they're going to do? They pop in their phone out. Why? Oh, I got to text. Oh, I got to let they get theirs out, you get yours out, and we're all distracted. God deserves better than that. Amen. Than what we give him. I mean, he deserves everything. Amen. This will be a restoration of the awe of God. The awe of God. But it isn't God making it happen. It's the people responding to his presence. If we raise our expectation... You know, look, and just so you understand, I'm not talking about babies crying. I don't think a God or a kid screamed or whatever or somebody did something. That doesn't stop God from doing stuff, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about disrespecting the environment. By we get the parents under control, we'll get the people. If we get, let me say this, if we get the adults under control, we'll get the kids under control. Man, this is so good. God said, enlarge your capacity to receive. You're thinking too small. Enlarge, especially you that are older, you know, my age group and up, or getting near me. 
Stop thinking small. Death tries to teach you to minimize your life until you're gone. God renews your strength like the eagles every day. I very seldom ever meet anyone in their 70s that says, I've got a new dream. I got a new idea. I got a new venture. I'm starting a new business. I'm stepping out in faith to do this. I'm starting a new ministry. You know why? Because that's what life does to you. Life says, well, cut back. You paid your dues. Now just rest until you're dead. Look, I don't have anything better than what I'm telling you. So if you're waiting for, when's the good stuff coming? No, but see, this is what happens in life. See, and that's the enemy working in your life to minimize you. To, to minimize. Do you know that this world right now needs your voice just as much as it needs a young person's voice? In fact, the young look to us in so many ways for direct, because we've been through some junk, that they look to that and, you know, they're listening to, and they're watching how we're responding. There's more to life than just cutting back everything until you're dead, folks. Live the life that God gave you. Say, well, I'm tired. Then get in his presence and get your strength renewed. Get before him and say, God, I need strength to do. And what you know, I don't have any ideas. I'm just skating along in retirement. Well, look, ask God to give you ideas and new ventures and new things to do. Amen. New ministry opportunities. There's stuff still to be done. I talked to somebody one time. I said, you need to get involved in the church. Well, I paid my dues. Baloney. Baloney. You did not pay your dues. You just paid the dues you owed then. Now you owe more. Get involved. Do something. Help the cause. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor. Wow, that's really good. I just encourage myself. Listen to this, Isaiah 54, verses 2 through 3. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make desolate cities inhabited. Genesis 13, 14, God showed up and talking to Abraham and he said, look, man, now that Lot's gone and now you can, I want you to do this. I want you to look to the north and I want you to look to the south. I want you to look to the east and look to the west. And he says, as far as you can see, in the next verse, as far as you can see, that's what I'm going to give you. How far can you see right now? How much has the world pushed you down so now you only see so far? You see little, small. You can't see beyond where things are at. You feel, you feel like this is it. That's, that's all there is to my life now. Look, God's saying, look to the north. Look. There are still possibilities. There are still things that could come to pass. You say, well, Pastor, it's a, it's, the economy is not looking so great right now. I mean, things aren't looking good. Why would he? If you go back in history, you will find that the greatest innovations happen during the depression and the recessions that have happened in our country. You know, my iPhone that I have, that was developed back in 2008. Do you remember what was going on in our country in 2008? It was launched Two, it was created 2008. That isn't that long ago. It was created and released by Apple. This incredible, and I mean, it's become a huge, giant moneymaker. I mean, but the thing is, is that innovation took place in a recession. See, that's the enemy telling you, well, you know, it's just not really, 
you know, it's just not really a good time. It's not a good time. When is a good time? When is a good time? When is it a good time for you to start taking care of yourself? When is it a good time for you to, to make the changes that need to be made? When is it a good time for you to step up and start leading your house? When is it going to be a good time? Well, when things, you know, when, when things get better, okay, well, that's not going to happen. So eliminate that from your thinking because better is an illusion. <laughs> you know, Abraham was discouraged. So you know what God does? He takes him outside. He says, get out of your tent. He says, I want you to look up into heavens. See all them stars? That's how many. Stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what I can do. Stop looking at how bad it is. I mean, every day he's looking at this woman getting older and older and older and older. And he's looking at himself. He's getting older and older. And 25 years has gone by. Come on, God. When are you going to get with it here? And in 25 years, would you think that like uh, he might have been thinking it's not going to happen? Look, most of you in 25 minutes have given up. <laughs> 25 years of waiting. Oh, when? And I'm just getting old, and she's old, and where's the Geritol? And I mean, I, he's just like, he, he's just struggling along. God says, stop looking at what you don't have. Look to the heavens. See the stars? Abraham, that's what I'm going to give you. Look to the land. See how far it goes, north, south, east? All that could be yours if you will just look to me. God's telling us to expand our vision. And he's doing that because he is going to reveal himself this year as the Lord of the breakthrough. Listen to this passage out of Micah. This is really powerful. Micah 2.13. Uh, and it says there, the breaker has come up before them. And they have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them. What he says here is, is that, look, the breaker has come up to break through to break through whatever has restrained, to whatever is stopping you from moving forward. He has come to break through it. 2 Samuel 5.20 talks about David when he went to Baal-Pirzim, and David defeated this army there, and he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of the place Baal-Pirzim, or he is Lord of the breakthrough. He is Lord of the breakthrough. So let me tell you something about breakthroughs, because I absolutely believe in breakthroughs. I believe there's one coming for you. But at the point of breakthrough is the scariest moment that you will deal with when that barrier, at that barrier. That's the scariest moment. If you've ever read about Chuck Yeager, does everybody know who that is? Chuck Yeager was instrumental in breaking the sound barrier uh, in a jet. They had fought and fought to try to break this sound barrier. And when he, would, when he would get in that jet, he said, and he writes this in his book, he says, we would get to a point, I'd get to a point, and we would get so close to being able to break that sound barrier at the speed, but he says the plane, the jet would start shaking. It would shake violently, he said. He said, and I thought the wings were going to get ripped off. And he said, I thought everything in the dashboard, I thought everything was going to go. He said, around me, vibrations were so strong. He says, I was shaking inside the cockpit while this is all happening. He says, and what would happen is, he says, I'd get to the point that I thought this is it and I'm not going to make it. This is it. So what did he do? He pulled the throttle back. 
I don't know if that's what they call it, but the throttle. He pulls the throttle back and slows down. They get right to the edge, and they did it several times. But Jaeger finally got to the point that he says, look, I'm, gonna do, I'm going all in on this. I'm going to go all in no matter what. I'm going to push this jet. It's capable of doing it. I'm going to push this jet no matter what. If, if it fails, then it fails. But my determination is I'm going to break that barrier. So Jaeger gets in that jet, man, and I mean, he gets, to that, he gets to a certain speed, and here comes the shakes. I mean, that thing is shaking, and he's shaking, and I, that whole plane, and it feels like it's going to just blow apart any second. And then he said, I just kept pushing it, and I kept pushing it, and he said, all of a sudden, there was this loud bang. He thought, that's it, I'm dead. You know what? All of a sudden, everything calmed down. He looked down at his, 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 uh, the speed that he was going, and he had broke through the sound barrier. See, that's what happens in our lives. We get so close to that point where we're going to break through, and then stuff starts happening. You ever notice that whenever you're trying to move forward in anything, stuff happens? You're trying to get your health better, something happens. You know, some catastrophe, something that makes you want to, you know, break your diet and just, what do they call that? Comfort food, you know, emotional eating or your workouts, or your Bible reading, or your spiritual growth, or go to church, or something happens. One of your family members goes totally bonkers that hasn't gone bonkers before. And what's that do? All it does is that you're, you're shaken, man. You're right at the point of breaking through into this new realm, and everything's saying, slow down, stop, you're gonna die. But God's saying, push it. Push it because you're just about, you're right at, I'm the Lord of the breakthrough. And I'll break you through whatever it is. You'll break through this barrier. You'll get through it. Something powerful is going to happen this coming year in your life as you break through the things that hold you. But you will have those scary moments where it looks like nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. That's what Abraham, but what did he have to do? Go back and look. God said, look, Paul was listening to the Lord, and I'll wrap up with this this morning because I'm, I'm out of time, but Paul was, and Silas, they prayed, man, they tried so hard to go <laughs> to preach the gospel in different places, and God kept stopping them. You know, lo and behold, God shows them about going to this one place, so they go there, and man, they're just thinking, well, we've obeyed God, we're here, this is what God called us to do, this will be really cool. Well, as soon as they get there, this woman in the, that she's talked about in the Bible, she's a fortune teller, and she starts harassing them. She starts harassing them every day in the streets. I mean, she just keeps yelling out stuff at them. And the Bible says that she, was, that she had a spirit of divination, a diviner. And uh, in the actual Greek language, the word divination here is the Greek word python, that she had a spirit of Python. In fact, in Young's literal translation, it says spirit of Python and also in the uh, Passion translation. And she, what, what she would do is, is that she would take people. Now watch how this works. She would take people that would come to her and she would tell them their future. And they would listen to her. But listen, watch this now. They would become constricted or bound to the words that she was saying to them because they believed what she was saying to them. 
Okay? Because she believed what they were saying, she was saying. This spirit of Python, I believe, is very, very, this is the thing that's trying to constrict you and hold you back. You know, when you think about a python, and a python is a, is a snake that is not venomous, but what it does is that it continues to wrap itself around you, waiting for you to take a breath. And if it wraps itself around you and you release, you know, you, you take a breath and release that breath, he waits until, or she waits until you've released that breath, and then it constricts more. Now your next breath is going to be harder. Then when you take the next one, and this is how, how they kill animals. They, they, they just continue to constrict. Every time they release air, they constrict, and they continue to constrict. And what are they doing? They're binding the individu- this, this animal or individual. They're binding them up, removing their ability to get bigger. Now watch this. The spirit of Python prime directive is to keep you small. Never break from your past. Never break from your offenses. Never break from your pain. Never break from your family's issues. Never break from hereditary ailments. To always stay bound. That's what that does. Is that and you say, well, is it a real python? Well, it doesn't ma- none of that matters. What, what the point is, is that the example is that he's using this to show you that words constrict people. Let me put it this way. If I control the words you're hearing, then I control the thoughts you're thinking. If I control the thoughts you're thinking, I control your heart. If I control your heart, I control your life. Our media has a spirit of python. This country's media, I just call it for what it is. It has a spirit of python. You know, just this last week, I mean, you know, I I mean, we had a decent harvest. They're having a decent harvest, not a great harvest this year. But already they're predicting that in two years that the 100-year drought is going to hit the Midwest. Okay. The 100-year drought, which just really just blows my mind about global warming because Okay, if it happened 100 years ago, and there was less carbon footprint 100 years ago, and then if it happened 100 years before that, and there was less carbon footprint then, so how are you going to blame that on? I mean, I may have only been a C student in high school, but actually C minus, okay. (laughs) But listen, I can figure that out. Come on. Look. Ecclesiastes tells you, and I'll move on. I do think we should take care of what we have. I'm not, but I'm not a tree hugger either, but, but we should take care of the planet that we're on. I don't believe in throwing waste on the ground, not taking care of what we have. But on the other hand, Ecclesiastes, tell you, Ecclesiastes tells you that whatever is has already been. That there is nothing exactly, I don't know who said that. Do you say that, Adam? Thank you. There is nothing new under the sun. What? What we're experiencing, what we will experience. When I was a kid, remember the big thing, if you're as old as me, we're heading into the Ice Age. I mean, they had us convinced. We are going into the Ice Age. I mean, we're only talking like, well, how old, let's see. We're only talking 50 years ago. It's an Ice Age. We're going in the way of the dinosaur. We will all be dead, frozen to death by an Ice Age. Hmm. 
Now we're in a different season. But guess what? Probably our great-great-grandchildren, if Jesus tarries, they'll hear about the Ice Age coming again. Right? So whatever it is has been. All right? So there's nothing new under the sun. This stuff has been around. Uh, things are going to change. Seasons change. They all do. They will. It'll be good, and it'll be bad, and it'll be a lot of rain and not enough rain, and all that stuff happens. But my point is this. When it begins to constrict your life, I think I watched, uh, I was watching um, CBS, I think it was, and Nora O'Donnell. The first, I thought, well, I'll watch this, you know, to see if, you know, let's hear some great stories about rescuing people and helping people, and let's hear some. All you heard for the first 10 minutes is that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, that everything is bad, the economy's bad, the world's bad, the gov- everything is bad, everything is destructed, war is on, Putin's ready to push the button any minute, he's going to push it. This morning the new news is, well, he's going to push the nuclear button, but they won't be really bad nuclear bombs. It all wraps itself around you. And look what it does. It keeps you small. It keeps you small. It keeps you not moving, isolated, locked down, and not thinking about progress at all in your life, about advancement. Now, the way you deal with this spirit, and there's two things you got to do. The first one, the first one, this key, is you got to take authority over it. And you have authority over it. That's what they did. They did. This, in fact, let me just tell you, uh, this is the easiest part of the two. Because what they did is they just, Paul just said, shut up and come out of her. And just like that, it was gone. Demons have to obey the name of Jesus Christ. And any demon that tells you that it doesn't have to obey the name of Jesus Christ knows it has to obey the name of Jesus Christ. It's lying to you. It has to go. So you just look back at it and say, you got to go. You know you got to go. You know Jesus defeated you. You know he spoiled principalities, powers, made a public show of them openly triumphing over him. He gave me authority to tell you to go. Luke 10, 19 says that, behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. You have no authority here. You have to go. Now get out. But notice that after they did this, that all of a sudden they get tossed into prison, right? This woman, the, the, the owner of the woman, she's upset because he's upset because he lost his way of making money. And so he throws Paul and Silas. They get beat, get thrown in prison. You remember this in Acts 16. They're in stocks. They're sitting in the prison. And what are they doing in the prison? There, the Bible says in, in Acts 16, you can look at all this on your own, but in Acts 16, it says that they begin to pray and sing hymns to God. I think we have that up there, right? And everybody's listening to them. Now, I want you to notice here, they're not praying to get out of prison. That isn't in their, that's not what they're saying. God, shake the prison, let the gates blow off. We don't have any record of any of that. So that's just conjecture. They're praising God simply because he's God. They're praying to God simply because they believe that God is greater than whatever's going on. Let me tell you what I think they're really doing. See, this is the two parts to dealing with that python spirit. One, you got to take authority over it. But two, you got to change what you're thinking. 
And the highest form of being able to change what you're thinking is when you begin to pray and you begin to sing and praise and give worship to the Lord. Now, reverse all of that back to the beginning of our message. What did God tell us to do? Prepare yourself for worship. Get yourself ready. Because I'm about to do some amazing things. The miracles are on God. Amen. The straightening it up, getting my life right, repenting of sin. You know, stuff, and look, I don't have to ask you to think real hard about what you're doing that's not right in the sight of God. You already know it. In fact, you're probably trying to push it in a box right now away so you don't have to look at it. But you already know. You're, that, that's all, if you're looking at porn, you already know that. That's already getting on. That's already bugging you. you. It bugs you all the time. Or if you're doing other things, you're lying or stealing from the company you work for or, or whatever. You know, those things, it isn't stuff that I, you're lying to your wife, lying to your husband, whatever. You don't have to think long and hard about those things. And what God's saying is, get ready. Dump it. The repentance isn't that I cry a long time and then I feel better about myself. Repentance is that I walk away from it. Now look, can you repent of the same thing a bunch of times? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. And believe me, I've done it. But the good news is in the sight of God, all he cares is that I keep trying to get away from it. And he'll strengthen us to help us stay away from it. Stay away from it. I just encourage you today, look, don't play games with God in all of this because this is too serious a time for what God wants to do. This is too serious a time. I mean, I sense in the awe of all of this that there is a, there is a presence of holiness that's saying, look, you don't have a ton of time here to mess around. So whatever it is you got to deal with, deal with it. If God told you to do something, maybe it wasn't sin. Maybe you're being disobedient. And God told you to do this, and you're just like still making excuses. Well, one day, you know, someday I'll, yeah, well, when this happens or that. Look, just do it. Just do it. Launch out today. Can you imagine the disciples? Jesus said, throw your net on the side of the boat, and they go, well, could we wait till tomorrow? <laughs> could you come back and tell us? No, this is it. This is the opportunity right now. And if God's telling you, look, you've been disobedient, then it's not to condemn you. It's to bring you into a great place of his presence. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready for worship. Get ready for the presence of what God is going to do. Because I'm telling you, tomorrow, it's coming. It's coming. The miracles are coming. And they're not just the miracles you're thinking of right now. Because my Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, or 3, excuse me, verse 20, that he is able, God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above everything we could even ask or we could even think. And it's coming. It's coming. Did you get anything out of this this morning? Amen. Stand up with me if you would. Thank you, Father. Now, we'll have to continue this next week. I got some other stuff the Lord told me to tell you, but I won't be able to get into that till next week.
Because um, I know you're getting hungry and you want to get out of here and eat. And, right? I want to pray and I'm going to release Chuck to do what he needs to do here. Father, I pray for my friends here today. Father, I pray for them that they would be free from this thing that tries to make them small. Pray, Father God, for those who continue to battle with hereditary issues. Things that were, I don't want to call them curses, but just things that their forefathers believed. Words that they spoke over the family, like, we'll never have money. We'll never break poverty. We'll never overcome cancer. We'll never. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, in your presence, those words are so small. Because in your presence, Lord God, you're saying you're healed of cancer. In your presence, Lord, you're saying you're prospering and in health, even as your soul is prospering. Father, I thank you. Lord, I pray for those who have been damaged in relationships. When I say damage, I mean emotionally damaged, hurt. They're hurt. They've been, they've been feel betrayal in their spirit. They feel it. They just feel like they cared and they loved and what they cared and loved for turned on them. You are the healer of the brokenhearted. Father, this stuff that's making them small, God, I just thank you that they, you are the breaker, the breaker that breaks through, Lord of the breakthrough, and that they break through this emotional torment that's worked against their life and kept to, worked overtime to keep them small. Keep them small. Father, I pray for those this morning, finally, who are struggling, Lord God, with addiction. Lord, I know it's a real thing. It's a, I've, having experienced it in my own life. And Lord, that it, to everybody else, it's easy to say, well, just stop doing it. But it's not as easy as just stop doing it. It's an addiction. And Lord, whatever that addiction is, we know you're greater than that addiction. So Father God, those thoughts and our mindset that we will always be bound to that addiction, Lord God, May we look to the stars. May we look to the north, the south, and the east and west and see, Lord God, that there is freedom. There is freedom, Lord God, that there is honey in the rock, Lord God, for us, and that there is a freedom that comes from your presence. And may we, Lord God, walk in the liberty free from those bondages that have held us back. Lord, may, as the song would go, May the chains that used to bind us serve only to remind us that they drop powerless behind us when we praise you. When we praise you. Charlie? Oh, and don't forget about the Bible. If you'd mention that, thank you. And if you like that song, grab the Imperials off YouTube and you can listen to that. Glory. Um, just a couple things, prayer teams, if you come up.
uh, we're going to pray for some people that would like prayer. So if you're part of the prayer team, come on up. We need you here. Uh, if, if you're dealing with, Pastor was talking about python, it's a spiritual thing. But God's given us authority over serpents. That's a python. Scorpions, that's another spiritual uh, entity. And over all the power of the enemy, a python steals breath. If without breath, first of all, we, we die. But the, the other thing, we, it, breath, if you have no breath, you can't talk. And it will steal your voice. And that's one of the things that that spirit will do, is steal voice. So if you're here today, and, and, and we need some more prayer team, if you, would, if you were not scheduled, please come on up over here. Um, but if you're here today, and, and you feel like your voice has been stolen, and you, you say, man, I'd like to witness to my family, or I'd like to witness to somebody at work, or whatever, and you just find yourself without the ability to say anything. It's like, oh, fear, or oh, I'm nervous, I, I may not have the right words, or something like that. Let's break that. Let's break that. We have authority. We have authority over all that power. We want to pray with you in that. Also, there's a few things. If you're here, um, and you're, you're having a, a catch in your hip, is the best way I can I can, I can say you like, you're, you can feel it clunk, and all of a sudden, you know, you'll be walking, and, and you'll feel it like catch, and it hurts a little bit, and you, if you're, who's that? Who's dealing with that hip? Come on up, well, more than one. We want to pray for that, uh, and, and take care of that. Let God uh, WD-40 your hip uh, back up. I mean, God, he's going to do it. Uh, also, uh, I, I was getting pain uh, three places in the back, uh, high in the back, middle in the back. Anybody want to guess what the other one was? Low in the back. Yeah. So if you're dealing, and, and they're very, um, you know, if you're here dealing with back pain, I just kind of covered it all. But the, the Lord very specifically dealt with all three of those areas for me. Real high, right up above the shoulder blade here, kind of right between the shoulder blades, a little bit lower, and then down lower in the back. If that's you, uh, don't, don't uh, wait. Come on up. We want prayer. Uh, is there anybody with a word from the Lord here? Anybody over here? Anybody over here with a, a word? Come in, Omar. Omar has a mic on, but it's for translation into Spanish, so it doesn't. We'll have to give him this one. Um, when I was painting today, one of the things that Chuck said it too, uh, the Lord was saying, rest on me. Rest on me. If you're feeling like you're uh, somehow restless, or many other situations that just that you cannot just let go. Please come to for prayer. Rest on me. Amen. Um, also, Pastor was talking about honor. The Lord just reminded me of this. Uh, honor uh, is it's a it's a it is a promise. If we honor, uh, things will go well with us. That you know, honor your mother and father. That, for example, uh, you can read about it in uh, Exodus. Uh, Leviticus, you can read about it in the Gospels of the New Testament, the book of Ephesians. And, and there are some of you here that have struggled giving honor. Uh, we want to pray with you, all right? Um, it, it's something that needs to be broken. You, maybe you didn't, you didn't receive honor that you thought you should have been given. Or maybe your parents uh, didn't bring honor to you as a child or whatever. There's a lot of things that would, would cause that to happen. We want to break that for you. It's nothing to be judged for. It's everything to be set free for. And so that, that things will go well with you. So if, if that's you and you're in that situation, come on up. We want to pray with you. There's some people down here that, that, uh, that uh, are not praying. And we have another word. 
Oh, okay. I'm supposed to pray. All right. Okay. Yeah, don't forget there's a missions offering. I know Pastor shared earlier, but what an opportunity to go into these remote villages and pray and watch God. I mean, all I see is three or four faces. Uh, but a couple, I'll just share real quick, if, I, if you got a second. I was praying, and the Lord gave me a word for a baby and, uh, you know, that, that was struggling. And, and uh, so all of a sudden, I can see, you can see very little. You see about three people in front of your screen, and, but you can see that there's movement in the back. And all of a sudden, here comes this man, and I've got a baby face, whoop, right here in front of me in the screen. So we just spoke over that baby. And uh, so, I mean, God gives beautiful opportunity. He loves those people. So don't forget to give. So let me bless you, Father, in the name of Jesus. As, as these people go this week, Lord God, they go full of your Holy Spirit. They go, Father, with a commission to go to the world to preach the gospel. The world starts right at their door. And, Father, they have been empowered by the Holy Ghost to get it done. So bless them as they go, Lord God. Free them from that spirit of python. We break that hold over anybody who's here that's dealing with that. We cast it down, and we take authority over it. It will not squeeze. It will not rob breath. It will not steal or kill or destroy in the name of Jesus. They are free from that, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, Father, as they go, I thank you. They go with your blessing. They go with your goodness. They go, Father, with your presence. And, Father, they are making you famous every day. We love them. Give them a great week in Jesus' name. Amen. So go that way for children. Uh, and if you need to go home, go that way. If you don't want to, uh, don't forget people are praying up here, so respect that as well. We live.